First John 2, these things are written that you would not sin. God uses his word to convict us, to correct us, to train us, to help us walk in a way that is worthy. And if we're in sin, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to be listening to it, okay? So then, we need to put these things aside. They are not to be part of our lives. Welcome to this Monday edition of Equipping the Saints. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And our teacher is Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church. Greg, today we continue our look at 1 Peter chapter 2 in preparation for Nehemiah chapter 8. Yes, we do, Dave, and this passage is so important. So let's get right to it. Turn with us to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're looking at verses 1 through 3. Well, thanks, Greg. And as always, if you have to miss a portion of today's broadcast, you can hear this entire program online at etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. It's an evil disposition that stems from one's selfish desires. Someone does something to you as a non-believer or in the flesh, we want something to happen to them. That's malice. It could be revenge also, right? It's malice. It's evil. It's an evil disposition. It's internally when we feel a desire that people would be harmed because our desires have been thwarted. That's usually what happens. Our will has been thwarted. Now, love's the opposite. Not my will, but thy will be done. Love is the opposite. So our desires are not in the way when we're loving. But when we're not loving, our desires are, boy, they are big in the way. They get all kind of camouflaged and changed when we're believers, right? We kind of make our desires into spiritual desires or whatever it might be. But we need to have his desire. So then, first of all, we need to get rid of all malice. It's that evil towards others. Little malice, big malice. It's how we used to live. It's how we spend our lives. Paul will say in Titus chapter 3 that we used to live our lives in malice. We used to live that way. And that's how the world is. You know, you get in the way of people's will, and their demeanor changes. It's interesting, you talk to non-believers, and they're so nice and kind and this and that, and then somehow something comes up that totally contradicts their will and what they're about, and boom, there's a switch, right? Boom, all of a sudden, the malice is ready to come pouring out in the demeanor. You can see that sometimes. Some people are hypocrites who can hide it pretty well. But we, as believers, are to have put aside all malice. Not any malice at all. It should be put aside. Having put it aside, long for the word. Malice, not a part of our lives. Confess if you have had that attitude. If you're tempted. Not saying we're not going to be tempted, but no temptation has come upon you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful to provide a way of escape that we might endure it. So, therefore, putting aside all malice, throwing that garment of malice off you and not grabbing it and putting it back on, right? Putting aside all malice. Also, if you've had it and you haven't confessed it, confess. We have a great God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. What a great God we have. We are the forgiven. We are the redeemed. Wow, we are so blessed. We should be thanking God all day long. Praise the Lord for what he's done. Okay, so put that aside. But then notice he says, all guile. And then there's no all after hypocrisy and no all after envy. And you've got to say, hmm, why these three together? Well, I think it's because they're all closely related. So malice is kind of a category. Then you've got guile, hypocrisy, and envy. They kind of work together. 
And then you got slander after that. Okay, you got evil speech, you got evil malice in the beginning, right? And then you got kind of this falsehood and an internal drive to have things different or to hurt people in a sense if they do well. And so here, first of all, he says, all guile, hypocrisy, and envy. And I think, as I mentioned at this whole group, that it's a group, so we'll kind of see how they're related as we go longer. But the first one is guile. Do you remember the Lord Jesus when he saw Philip, I think it was? What did he say? An Israelite in whom there's no guile, right? That's an anomaly. All these guys are full of guile, right? Well, what is guile? Guile could be translated in other versions, deceit. It literally speaks of bait. You know, when you go fishing, you put bait on the hook, right? And you are trying to deceive the little fish to think he's going to get a meal. But really, he's going to be your meal, right? You're baiting him. It is deception, right? That's why you have the word bait, like for fish. It's deception. You're tricking the fish, right? And so here, we believers should not have any guile where we are deceptive in what we're doing, where we are trying to bait people in a way so that we can get our will in our ways, whether it's religiously. The Pharisees, they were full of guile, and they were very religious, right? We're to put away all guile. We're to put it all away. It's a characteristic of what we were before we came to Christ. It's completely opposite to love. Self-love, really, what it is. And then notice, we're to get rid of all of it. No more guile in our lives. You shouldn't be a phony, baloney guy, you know, trying to deceive people with your actions. That's not any place for believers. Put it aside, right? Throw it off. Having thrown it off. The implication is you did throw it off, right? Then what's the next one here? Hypocrisy. Or literally, hypocrisy is plural. Kind of interesting. It comes from the Greek word hypokrisos. It's like the word hypokritos. And it came from the idea of the Greek theater. It described an actor who would wear a mask. And on that mask, it would be painted something different than who they really are. It's a false face. They were hypocrites. It's someone who gives the appearance on the outside of something, yet on the inside is something else. Remember what Jesus continually said about the Pharisees. You hypocrites, right? And he said, woe to them, right? You know, the outside is clean, but the inside is dirty, right? It's all a show. It's all fake. You know, and you get a lot of hypocrites in church. I tell you, a lot of hypocrites. We've seen them all clean on the outside, but then their actions reveal the inside is not what it appears to be in relationship to the outside. So put it away. All hypocrisies. We all know what hypocrites are, right? And so we've been saved unto a sincere love of the brethren, which is this word with a negation, an unhypocritical love. That love, we're not putting on a phony face to love somebody, right? You know, some people get spiritual kudos when they are those who appear to be loving people. But if they're hypocrites, it's very evil, right? And so here, there should be all hypocrisies. We should be sincere. You know, like I've shared from an old preacher in the South, well, that's me now, right? <laughs> you know, be who you is, because if you is who you ain't, you ain't who you is. Something like that, right? I don't know if to say it right, but you understand what I'm saying. Don't be a hypocrite. Put it aside. Don't put on a mask. Be different in any way, shape, or form. All hypocrisies, little ones, big ones. Don't put on a mask. Be who you are, right? We're supposed to have put all that aside. And then notice another one here, and envy. Or literally, this is in the plural also, envies. There's to be none. Completely ridden from our lives. Ridex. 
Get rid of it, right? Get rid of it from your lives. It is contrary to love. And this is an interesting term. It speaks basically of jealousy over the success or good of another. So when someone prospers financially or spiritually or physically, whatever it might be, there's an internal like upsetness that they are doing well and you are not. Do you see what I'm saying? Whatever it might be. That's an envy. That's envy. And that envy is very pointed. It's very evil. It is resentment towards the advantage of another. You know, we can kind of have that envy at times when we see maybe some non-believers that are very wealthy, you know, seem to be at ease. We can start to have a little bit of resentment there towards them. We can kind of have a bad attitude towards them. You know, put all that aside. You know, it is not loving. It is not a characteristic of those who are following Christ who have been born again. Put it aside. So then we have the last one here, all slander. Therefore, putting aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy and envies, or hypocrisies and envies, and all slander. The term slander speaks of evil speech, obviously, towards another. It is speech that is untrue and is intended to harm. Now, Satan is crafty in his slander. He usually throws a little bit of truth in there to bait people, okay? And I've noticed and I've seen from people that are in his domain who've slandered me that there's always a tiny little bit of something true about it. But then it usually is twisted into evil, right? And slandered. Now, it can be completely false, too. There's no doubt about that. But here, it is speech that is intended to harm or defame another person's reputation or another. You're to put aside all slanders. You know, I was convicted. I was talking about our neighbor. You know, I was convicted by the word of God. I don't really know the neighbor. We're not to have a bad attitude towards our neighbors. I didn't know, and I confess it to you here. I don't know what's going on with this house. I don't know. Some mysterious stuff going on. But I was going a little past that in my thinking, and that was wrong. That was evil. Got to put it aside. Okay, put aside all slanders. And it's in plural, so it usually happens in multiples, right? All slanders. It's completely contradictory to love. You're not loving in somebody you're slandering. You're hating them. It's not good. There's no room for this in the life of any believer. And so these unloving actions are that which characterized us before Christ. Turn to Titus chapter 3. And we've studied this chapter. we studied this portion, but let's read it again. Titus chapter 3. You might even get envious in ministry. Somebody is now a leader, or they have an opportunity to preach, and you want to preach, and you can't preach. That's envy. Put it aside. It's evil, right? Some churches seem to be doing better than another church, you know. Maybe they're a good church. God's blessing them. Whatever it is. Envy. Envy, right? Don't do it. And that leads to these other sins, right? Titus chapter 3. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also once were foolish ourselves. We were fools. And he says here, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Hey, that's what the world's like. Don't expect it to be different. They need Jesus, right? And they'll be delivered. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. That's the way we used to be, but it should be no part of our lives. It should be taken off like a filthy garment. 
and thrown out, thrown off of you. Don't allow it. Don't have these attitudes. Having stopped them, having taken them off, then long for the pill mark of the word. I'll tell you right now, if you got sin in your life that you're not dealing with, maybe it's because you don't know the Lord, or maybe you do, but it's going to get in the way from you hearing the word of God. You're not going to hear it. You're not going to long for it. And I think it was Moody or one of those guys, you know, sin will keep you from this book or this book will keep you from sin, right? We know in 1 John 2, these things are written that you would not sin. God uses his word to convict us, to correct us, to train us. That's what we're going to see. To help us walk in a way that is worthy. And if we're in sin, we don't want to hear it. We don't want to be listening to it, okay? So then, we need to put these things aside. They are not to be part of our lives. Colossians chapter 3, but you will now also put them aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Put it aside. No room for it. We should be convicted if we go there, right? We should be immediately convicted. We snap back at somebody in any of his manners. We should be like, oh, oh, so wrong. Lord, I'm so sorry. We should put it aside, throw it off from you, okay? We see that we should be renewed. Ephesians chapter 4, you don't need to go there, but we should put on the new self. Put on the new self, and therefore we should not be speaking falsehood anymore. But speaking truth, we should be setting aside these things, setting it aside in behavior. So then, we see these unloving heart attitudes, which are to be not any part of our lives anymore. We're to rid them from our lives completely, to to throw them out, right? And interesting, we have the same concept, basically, in James, and it's about salvation, you know? So I really see these things really close to salvation should be thrown off, right? We may be tempted later on, but having done this, long for the word, having thrown this junk off, right? We were changed. We were born again, right? James chapter 1, verse 21. And I'll read it for you. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. So then, we're to get rid of all this stuff, these things that characterized our lives before we were in Christ. And then we're going to see, having done that, we are too long for the pure milk of the word. So then, does your heart have malice, guile, hypocrisy, envy, slander? That's not love. It's the opposite. Should be getting rid of it. Should have gotten rid of it, right? And if it shows its ugly head, you kick it right out by the power of the Holy Spirit saying no, understanding it's evil, and asking God to help you see things rightly and to do what is right. And he will. You know, if you ask God for you know bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask God to help you not sin, hey, that's a great prayer. Right? The eyes of the Lord look to and fro that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Right? Second Chronicles 16.9. So then, we see, first of all, we should have put all this aside. Now, if you haven't put all this aside, if this is how you're living, maybe you haven't tasted the kindness of the Lord. Maybe you haven't truly tasted it, and you need to examine yourself. So with that in mind, what are we to do? This is the first step. We've been born again. What are we to be doing? Notice what it says back in our passage, chapter 2 of First Peter, verse 2. Like, it's a metaphor. You know, if I run like a deer, I'm not a deer, right? But I'm running like a deer. Or if I run like an elephant, I'm not an elephant, but I'm running like that, right? You know, so the reality is, it's a metaphor. So therefore, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So it's a simple illustration and then a command. 
like this happens this way, then do this. So the illustration here and the metaphor is like a newborn babe. You know, what do newborn babes who are healthy and not dying want? Food. They long for it, right? And if they don't get it, right? They make it known. They desire it greatly, physically speaking. Now, they're not thinking. They're not thinking in their minds, I'm getting very hungry, so I better get some milk. You know, they're not thinking that at all. They're newborn babes, right? They're not conscious yet in that sense of being able to think rationally. But like a newborn babe, automatically goes for milk. We are to long for the spiritual milk of the word. We're to long for the word like a baby does. We're to have a longing. We, we should know it. We should be in us desiring God's word. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. It says long for the pure milk of the word. And that's what we should be doing. Now, we don't want to mix metaphors because we know in Hebrews chapter 5 it talks about milk is for the immature and solid food for that. That's a different metaphor. This is simply speaking of the act of having a desire for God's word naturally. Baby just got born. We just got born again to a living hope, right? We've been born again, chapter 1, right? And we should be longing for the word. And we're going to see that we might grow in respect to salvation. I think part of the problem in our growing is that we're not longing for the word, that our desire for God's word has been quenched or squelched or whatever it might be. Sin has come up and reared its ugly head. We need to see that we need to be longing for it. Before God's going to work in us, we need to have a desire for what is his word from him. So the word long for it here says, the term means earnestly desire to yearn, to long for, to have a great affection for. And it will see it's God's word. Having ridded yourself of those wicked attitudes already, yearn for God's pure word. Now, it says here, like newborn babes, the new birth, as we see, there's an illustration there, but the same, this is physical babe, but just like they do, we've been born again. We should be longing for that which feeds us, right? That which grows us in respect to salvation. Long for the pure milk of the word. Now, some translations have the term pure spiritual milk. Pure spiritual milk. Kind of interesting. And they get that from the Greek word logikos here, which is used to speak of, in Romans 12, the spiritual service of worship. Rational, reasonable, logikos. Right? But, with that in mind, I think a Greek reader would understand, and this is why it's translated the word here, that there is a play on words between chapter 1 and here, logikos and logos, and that everyone will translate it the word because that's what the intent of the writer is. He's using a metaphor and he's using a play on words so that we should be longing for that pure milk of the word, and it is that which is spiritual. It's not physical, okay? I think that's the key here. And so then every translation will translate it the word of God. Because that's what it is, rightly translated in the context of chapter 1 and that word. So, and again, I've mentioned, let's not mix up our metaphors saying that only baby Christians should be longing. No, this is saying we should always be longing for it, right? It's just the illustration is about milk of the word. That's what the illustration is. We're all commanded to have a desire for God's word. And if you don't have that, you've got to ask, what's wrong with me? Where am I unhealthy? Where am I spiritually sick? Babies that are sick don't long for the milk because they're dying. 
or they're sick. Maybe you're sin sick and that's why you're not longing. Gotta get and expel that sin through confession. You see, get it out of the way. And then by your new nature, like a babe in a new birth, long for the work of the word, right? Be longing for it. And it's one thing that causes a baby to grow, and that's milk, right? That's milk. And there's one thing that causes us to grow, and that's the Word of God. But it has to be in the right context. Paul, when he was talking to the Thessalonians, he was so thankful that they received the Word of God's message, not as the Word of men, but the Word of God. And then he says, which performs its work in you who believe. He's talking about God's Word. They received it rightly. They accepted it. They put the welcome mat for the Word of God. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. It is not simply a verse on your bumper sticker or on the front of your house. It's not simply a card of verses that you're looking at, blah, 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 blah. It is God's word. It is his word. It is God through his spirit speaking to us. And we should long to hear what our God wants to tell us. And we should long to respond, as we'll see, to what our God is telling us. Because there's power behind that. There's power not in a general sense. God's word is powerful. And God is powerful. And he uses it to change us, as we will say. And in our passage, it's the word of God. And in chapter 1 of First Peter, we gained some insight into the nature of the word. We saw that it, indeed it was imperishable and it cost us the new birth. You know, when someone says, you're regenerated uh, before you believe, well, I'll say, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. That's not true. We were born again through the means of the living and abiding word of God. That which you believe, Ephesians chapter 1, you heard the gospel, the message of salvation. You believed, you received the spirit of God, you say. We were born again through the instrumentality of the Word of God. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It's just so clear. Since in obedience to the truth, 1 Peter 1.22, you purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have not been born again from a seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding Word of God. God's Word is alive and it remains and he talks about this word, the word of the Lord, verse 25, live, abides forever. And that's the word which was preached to you. That's what you heard. You heard the word of God, and you got saved. And when we believe the word of God, we get saved. We know that. Second Timothy chapter 3, and you can turn there. Some of the ones that I know you know or you're very familiar, I'll just share them with you so they'll just go in our memory banks again. But you may not remember this part. We're very familiar with what comes after it. But 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. You, however, continue in the things which you have learned and become convinced of knowing from where you've learned them. It's talking about, hey, the bad guys do this, but you, Timothy, stay in the Word of God. It's going to say, and that from childhood you have known the sacred right. He had a good mom and a good grandma, by the way. Eunice and Lois, right? You know, they were telling him the Word of God. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, 
All our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, we've seen we need to put off sin first by confessing it before we can receive the Lord's sanctifying word And then we've begun to see the nature of God's Word. Yes, we have, Dave, but yet we've just scratched the surface today. So make plans to join us for our next edition of Equipping the Saints, where we conclude our look at this wonderful passage of 1 Peter chapter 2. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has equipping the saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially? You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, to partner with us, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Yeah.